I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. What's the most common sin among Christians? What do you think? Worldwide, all the churches, all the time. What's the most common sin among Christians? Oh, hypocrisy is good. Lust is good. But I tell you, it's got to be condemnation. It's got to be. Because it is reflexive. I mean, we don't even know we're doing it. It's reflexive when we're angry and impulsive when we're happy. Most gossip, I've said this before, most gossip is just condemnation as entertainment. Or should I say unjust. Most gossip is unjust condemnation as entertainment. So here's the question. Because I, I do fully believe that is the most common sin among Christians. I think it, I think it always has been. I ju- the reason we, it doesn't come to mind is because we ignore it. We overlook it. So, you, me, let's ask ourselves. Are you better known for criticism or compassion? Better known. What if I asked those closest to you, what would, they, what would they say? Noah touched on this topic in last Sunday's unique unity. A lot of good stuff in that. I poked at it the week before in disputable matters, but we are covering condemnation again today because it is such a sneaky, snaky sin. And it's, and it's a sin that, that we all often blindly follow and even lead each other in. And so it's pretty serious. We've got to look at it. Got to give it its proper examination. Uh, I'll set it up this way. Matthew's account of the appointing of the 12 up on the hillside over the Sea of Galilee, the appointing of the 12 and the Sermon on the Mount, they, they go right together, same time, same event. And it weaves seamlessly with Mark and Luke's accounts Uh, of the crowds down at the lake and that miraculous catch. Uh, And Noah demonstrated that to us uh, three Sundays back in Fishtail. And it's fun to see how those all come together for the miraculous catch and then up on the hillside and then it's the 12 and then it's a Sermon on the Mount. And it is very clear, and we don't think of it this way, but that Sermon on the Mount, it's very clear that Jesus' hillside sermon was squarely aimed at his young disciples. It's told in Luke and Matthew, and they both say it. Luke says, looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor. And that's the beginning of this very big Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you think, well, boy, that's the way to start it out. I don't, I don't feel like that's a real blessing, but okay. But then Matthew finishes the thought. Matthew says his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, oh, blessed are the poor in spirit. A really curious way of saying humble, because what it means is those who are lacking, poverty stricken in spiritual arrogance, those who are really poor in in, in, uh, spiritual arrogance. And that's just a fun, Jesus just had a way of twisting a phrase. And then everything Jesus then goes on to say in that hillside sermon 
ties right in to the abuse and the slander and the murderous threats they had received just that week. Just that way, it's the first time that the, the Pharisees decide we're going to murder him. And so the murderous threats come. And they came from the self-righteous mouths of their religious rulers. So that was a hard pill to swallow. And so now, in this moment on the hillside, having been reminded of Jesus' authority with the miraculous catch, then up on the hillside, receiving their own authority uh, as his apprentice apostles, uh, do you think these, uh, these young men might have been tempted to be a bit judgmental? Jesus did. And so right, right in the message there, he said to them, do not judge as in condemn. Do not judge as enticing as it may be, or you too will be judged. For in the same way, and this is just how it kind of works in the world and in God's eyes and everywhere. In the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. You know? Goes around, comes around. And, and in that miraculous catch, remember we, we looked at that after momentarily neglecting Jesus. He brought that miraculous catch. Uh, and we covered this in uh, No Going Back was that sermon. And uh, I want to bring this back up because the remark Jesus is about to make, recorded by Luke, would have especially struck Peter, who had just fallen down in that boat, ashamed, ashamed, leave me, Jesus, so ashamed, in the boat. Remember, he fell at Jesus' knees because Jesus buried up to his lap in fish. I want you to picture that as Jesus then says to them, do not condemn As right as it might seem. And you will not be condemned. Forgive. And you will be forgiven. Give. You know, especially grace and mercy. And it will be given to you. Now picture that boat. A good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over. Will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, boys... It will be measured to you. Now, don't get Jesus wrong. He didn't tolerate sin. Didn't tolerate sin for a second. But he treated it. He treated it the way a good doctor treats fractures and broken bones. He focused on restoring those suffering from brokenness. As long as they, like Simon Peter, would simply confess their condition. See, that's what's so insidious about condemnation. We can only do it to the degree that we refuse to really look at and confess our own sinful condition. And then right there, it just goes on. Then on the hillside, the next thing up, uh, Luke says, he also told them this parable right then. Um, First, he asked the question, can a blind man lead a blind man? That's a good question. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Is it yes or no? Yes, yes. They're not lame. They're blind. So yes. They absolutely can. And, that, and that's the answer. Because he says, uh, you know, well, will they not both fall into a pit? You see, yes, the blind can lead the blind. Sadly, they often do. And yes, both fall into the pit. And he says, you see, a student is not above his teacher. In other words, the blind Pharisees can't teach you to see. Everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher, whether good or bad. So be careful who you choose to listen to. 
Later, Jesus will declare in the hearing of those blind and abusive Pharisees, he'll say, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see. And we go, yeah, that's, we want to see spiritually the eyes of our heart. And, and then physically, he's showing his power. Yes. And I came for this reason, not as popular. Those who see will become blind. We go, now, really? You came that those who see will become blind. Because what's weird about this, it's easy to gloss over. This is apparently a good thing right here, in this case. He's speaking this as though it's a very good thing. You know how we know? Well, some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. I came so that those who see will become blind. Because if you're blind, you're not guilty of sin. And then he says, but now that you claim, arrogantly claim, you can see spiritually and judge and condemn, your guilt remains. And so I'm, this has bothered me for a long time. It's like, is there a good blindness in the Bible? Because... I don't know if you know about the Isaiah scripture about uh, who is blind like my servant. And it sounds like he's describing Jesus, but then he says he's blind. And it's very confusing. Um, I did a deep dive and I ended up having to delete an entire page from the sermon because you would have all fallen asleep. But <laughs> here's the Cliff's notes. Because, oh my goodness, there's a really good blindness. Because uh, uh, Isaiah had long past asked this question, who of us, who of us, because someone did, who of us can dwell with a consuming fire? You know, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had in their test of fire. Remember the test of fire we talked about? Who can stand in that all-consuming fire of God? You know, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a helper and were told it was one like the Son of God. So who can? And then he answers the question. Oh, you want to know who stands that testifier? He who walks righteously and speaks what is right. Well, that makes sense. And stops his ears. Some versions say deafens his ears against plots of murder and shuts his eyes, closes his eyes, blinds his eyes against contemplating evil. It's the eyes of the heart, obviously. It then says, your eyes, you know, those ones you shut to evil, they'll see. So your closed eyes will see the king in his beauty. And you'll see those arrogant people no more. Boy, we got, and I just wish I could do that whole page right now, but I can't. Because regarding those shut eyes, we'll jump right to the punchline, those shut eyes that see, the Lord says later in Isaiah, I... I, the Lord, will lead the blind by ways they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. He came to make those eyes that see blind to evil so he can open them, the eyes of the heart, to the light. I will not forsake them. You, and now speaking about the rulers of the day, you have seen many things. But have paid no attention. Your ears are open, but you hear nothing. 
And then about his people, he says, this is a, this is a people plundered and looted. All of them trapped in pits with no one to rescue them. So don't let the blind trap you in that pit. Beware of those you've chosen to follow, especially on Facebook. <laughs> That's a trap. Or the best you can hope for is no broken bones when you fall. How often do you blindly follow someone into that pit? Do you actively judge the fruit of your biggest influencers? You should, you better. Because if it's not ripe with compassion, if it's rotten with criticism, leave them, like Jesus says. They're blind guides. So just curious, lighten the, lighten the mood a moment. Anybody watching that new TV show, uh, La Brea? No. No? <laughs> okay. I didn't say anybody not watching it. it I, you watch it? I'm watching it. Oh, well, I am. It's not worth watching. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's about these people that fall into this big old sinkhole in the city of angels you know, because they're at the uh, San Andreas Fault there. And the epicenter, which is where they get the title, is at the La Brea Tar Pits, which is a very real place. I'm sure a lot of you have been there. And at the La Brea Tar Pit, they have recovered more than a million bones of the poor creatures caught in its unforgiving, gooey, black grip. <sighs> Pulls them down into the pit. Motives and intentions didn't matter. Didn't matter who was leading and who was following. End result's the same. Once you wade in, it is nearly impossible to escape. Although in the show they go back in time and they save a bunch of camels. <laughs> it's a really bad show. Now... <laughs> <laughs> now, you know how we wade in? Fault finding. Finger pointing. So here's an idea. It is uh, profound in its simplicity. Don't wade into the pit. Stay as far away as you can from the pit. And I know right now you're, you can't help but kind of think, but I have a gift for seeing the faults in others. <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but everybody does. We all do. We all, it's not a gift. Fault finding is not a gift. It's the pits. And it's a trap. Okay? Whereas, well, addressing faults of others in a merciful, meaningful, humble, poor in spirit way, now that's a gift. That's a gift. So when in doubt, just shut your trap. Shut your trap. Jesus went on on that hillside to say, why? Why do you look at that speck? Now, we've got to stop there because the word speck is literally chaff. It's the thing that comes off the grain head, okay? 
I wish it just said chaff. I really do. Why do you look at the chaff, the speck, in your brother's eye? And you're not noticing the plank in your own eye. So here's the thing. Pretty much everybody listening to Jesus then and there had had chaff in their eye. Because they separated their grain from the chaff by tossing it in the air and dragging it under a threshing plank or log or beam. And so that, that stuff just flying everywhere. Jesus says, or, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck, the chaff, from your eye? And look, a plank, a threshing plank, producing a tsunami of specks, is in your own eye. Look at, look at this macro photo here. That's a pupil, an eye pupil. I added the plank. That's why I added the plank. Uh, doesn't it look like the abyss? Doesn't that look like if ever there was a black hole, a bottomless black hole, doesn't that look like it? Oh, even though one eye suffers from no depth perception, right? You got the plank and one, well, you've lost all perception. Even though one eye suffers, has no depth perception, being blind, in our case, to the deepest inner motives of others, as well as the complex context of their actions, even though, even still, one-eyed sin pickers dive right in and pick at the sin of others. Condescending, criticizing, and condemning. And it will be measured back. And that's scary. It will be measured back when they're on the receiving end in the pit. So if you walk with God, for heaven's sake, don't walk that plank. <laughs> aye, aye. If your eye is bad, Jesus had just finished saying, if your eye is bad, your whole body, now listen carefully, your whole body will be full of darkness. Doesn't necessarily mean blackness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? There's the question. How great is that darkness? See, there's two, because we don't notice the darkness, and I'll tell you why. There's two ways to open our physical eyes uh, with the old-fashioned, raise the eyelids, but then also dilating the pupils, okay? We can open them that way. One, the first one, opens to light, but the other one opens to darkness and makes it seem like light. And the more we open our eyes to darkness, the more we will reflexively be repelled by the light of Christ, the light of life and love. And this is the condemnation. That's it. This is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world, and then, oh, I don't like the light. Love the darkness rather than the light because their, their deeds are evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, you know, does not come to 
the light. I think there's, I'm going to pause a second because there's Sunday mornings when it's really bright outside and we come out of church and I'll say, oh, the moles are coming out of the holes because everyone comes out going, oh, oh. And like, ah, I can't, and you just, but see, we're coming into the light, even though it's uncomfortable, because we want to be in the light. And it's just a a great living analogy of what he's saying here. But see, these guys, they don't, it'd be like doing that, going, oh, I want to go back inside. I like this in here. Yeah, he does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he or she who does the truth, I love that line. Who does the truth, do you do the truth, comes to the light. Not that it is painful or easy. That their deeds may be clearly seen by themselves and others and God and everyone. You hypocrite, says Jesus, first remove the beam from your own eye. You know what kind of beam? An eye beam. <laughs> Come on. It's an eye beam. I'm spelling it with a capital I because it's all about me, baby. <laughs> First, remove the beam from your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck. Because that is the goal to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, when, when your deeds are clearly seen, okay, having been examined, in the light and exposed as a testament to the truth, then you and me, we can see clearly to help others to do what we've done by following our example into the light rather than into the pit. You know what you get if you Google um, the words uh, eye and beam. This. People shooting lasers out of their eyes. <laughs> it surprised me. They're eye beams. I thought, oh, that, that is so funny. The eye beams. Yeah, you got your eye beams aimed at me. And I thought, this is pretty much what Jesus is warning us not to do. Don't shoot your lights out. <laughs> or you'll end up filled with great darkness. You know Why? Because you'd be full of yourself. For even though, Paul writes, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or, or, or give thanks. But they became futile. It's worthless, chaotic, nonsensical in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. There's just the one. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Arise and shine. Your light has come. The goal is to help others remove their specks, okay? That is the goal. Help them remove their specks and see the light. 
But this requires right judgment, which is why Jesus warns all sin pickers to stop judging by mere appearances, which is that futile judgmental speculation, and make a right judgment, make a righteous judgment. We covered this three Sundays back in just judging. But I want to add this analogy. I found a new analogy and I like it, so I added it to the mix. It is not a sin to sit on a jury unless you're being judgmental. Then it's disgraceful. Read that with me. It's not a sin to sit on a jury unless you're being judgmental. Then it's disgraceful. Because that's the one-eyed sin picker. <laughs> one-eyed sin pickers deal exclusively in partial truths and outward appearances and personal offenses. Remember the, the lady with the cookies in the taxi? Right judgment, righteous judgment seeks exclusively to restore and heal the brokenness of the one you're examining. So we, together, this family, this church, God's people, we must learn to judge without being judgmental. Judgmental. As in, hypercritical and hypocritical and self-superior. And you look at it that way, you go, well, I don't want to be those things. Lord, help us. I don't want to be those things. Apostle Paul says, don't you know? Don't you know? You're acting like you don't know. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? And you see, if anyone destroys God's temple, which is each other, God will destroy that person. Because God's temple, which is us and brothers and sisters around the world, is sacred. It is sacred. And you together are that temple. Therefore, as Jesus warns the boys on the hill, do not give dogs what is sacred. You together are the sacred temple. Don't destroy what we have. Trying to force your opinions on others. Trying to, trying to force his kingdom into others. You can't push Jesus onto anyone. If anyone could have, it would have been Jesus. And even he couldn't open the eyes of the willfully blind and abusive who were prophetically described long before in Psalm 22 as dogs surrounding the cross. Also, the kingdom is like a merchant, Jesus says. It's like a merchant seeking fine pearls, you know, like of wisdom. So on the hillside, he says, do not throw your pearls to pigs. Don't throw your pearls of wisdom that you're finding to the pig-headed. If you do, they may trample them under their feet. Psalm 80 refers to the wicked as the swine that trample God's vine. And then turn and tear you to pieces. We can't force light and truth into those who refuse to open their eyes and their heart to him. So when you want to help someone with that speck, make sure they're open to your concern. 
and make sure that you empathize and sympathize with your own good eyes. Did you hear about the guy with uh, macular degeneration who fell into a well? He just couldn't see that well. <laughs> well, I sure hope you can. And I hope you can humbly say along with me, I was blind, but now I see. Say it with me. I was blind, but now I see. Say it again with feeling. I was blind, but now I see. And let's pray that the Lord just helps us to continue that, that forward momentum. Father God, we love you, worship you, and ask you to remove our blinding high beams of pride. Holy Spirit, empower us to bring light and life to those condemned in the dark. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you and praise you as the only true light of this world. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.